This is the Students of Tarot podcast, a podcast dedicated to the belief that anyone can learn to read tarot. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Students of Tarot podcast. It's been a year, and while I had originally planned to have a lot more episodes during the summer, there were things to focus on, and there was a lot that was to be learned. And as we move forward, I'm really inspired to lean back into the podcast and to lean back into really starting to talk about how anyone can learn to read tarot and anyone can connect with spiritual practices and can find ways to ease through some of the hardest times, find ways to connect to messages and connect to our spiritual teams and our guides and our ancestors. And as we're moving forward, I really believe there's going to be some major shifts in spirituality. I believe that what we will see is people continuing to explore things that maybe they never considered before and people continuing to question those things that were always presented as truth. So in the spirit of that, we have our first in a series of guests on the show. Um, This first episode is a special format episode in that we will be doing it interview style. I look forward to bringing you more of these. I really enjoyed creating this with the saintly tarot mystic, Michael. Michael is a reader that, a reader, a creator, a student, a inspiring, an inspiring thought leader in combining all of these different spiritual practices with the pieces of them that are all true, with the part of it that is connected and with the deep and insightful understanding of practices to be able to present us with some really thought-provoking ideas. Michael and I had a conversation that I enjoyed immensely and I'm so looking forward to you getting the chance to really hear more on the show with people and their experience with tarot from all aspects of it. In this episode, there is a very um, Christian feel. So just for those out there who that may not be what you're interested in, this may not be the episode for you, but I really want to invite you, especially for those who may sort of shy away from that because they think that the the practices that they do with tarot and that their Christianity are separate things. Michael really presents some Michael really presents some information in ways that I think can expand and can help you help us to see things in new ways. I'm excited to present this episode to you and I look forward to many more in the coming weeks. Thank you so much for being here. Happy Halloween. Happy full moon and drink more water. And just one note, I was going to edit this episode and cut it down and polish it and and just give it you know a more more of the structure of the podcast but I'm really going to keep it in its original form. I'm going to let the magic that comes from authentic and connected conversations be part of what we do on this show going forward. So if there's Anything that you want to talk about, reach out to me, reach out to Michael at Saintly Tarot Mystic, and let's have some conversations. (laughs) 
So welcome to the Students of Tarot podcast. On this podcast, we really focus on helping people, both beginners and maybe people that have been using tarot for a while, but want a refresher, kind of get a full understanding of what tarot is and how different people use it for different things. So thank you for joining us. And can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your history with tarot? So hi, everybody. My name is Michael McQueen, and I own um, Sacred Eyes Tarot. Um, You can find me on Instagram at Saintly Tarot Mystic. Um, I've been reading tarot for about five years now. And my adventure into tarot was not the most usual one, because it's has a lot of instances of Christian mysticism tied in there. And also I have a degree in theology and I learned about tarot through my interaction with the Christian mystical experience and the Christian folk magic experience. And so that has been my journey and introduction into tarot. (laughs) That's so interesting. And especially for a lot of tarot readers who maybe struggle with some of the um, Christian influences of their upbringing and how that impacts how they read tarot. So I'm super excited to explore that a little bit, a little bit more in depth. Um, So you've been, you've been reading tarot for five years. Do you have favorite decks that you use or is there a particular system of tarot that you lean towards? So I'm one of those people who's like a tarot hoarder. <laughs> and so it's a little bit of a problem. Same, same. Um, yes. <laughs> um, so the, the deck that I use the most and what I consider my main go-to tarot deck is actually the Tarot of the Saints um, by Robert in Place, which was a tarot that was gifted to me. Um, a few other tarots that I really like to use. I love um, the Modern Witch Tarot. I think that's a great tarot deck just all around, especially as modern readers. I think it really connects with me as being a millennial and then even um, younger readers and younger clients that I may have, I think that connects very well. Um, I really, and if I could just interrupt you there too, I really love how in that deck, it stays so true to Pamela Coleman Smith's images. So if you're learning tarot, it's a good, it's still a really good deck to use with a lot of the older material that mainly focuses on the Rider Waite system. And you don't kind of lose in translation what people are teaching in the book. Yes. I also really enjoy um, the Star Spinner Tarot. Um, Recently, I've been experimenting with the kind of non-traditional tarot or tarot that doesn't use traditional imagery. Um, A lot of tarot that break the gender binary. I'm using right now, I'm experimenting with the St. Jinx Tarot, which is um, really geared towards gay men. And what I love about the Star Spinner, Spinner Tarot is that, you know, there's four different lovers cards. I and they love all... that about it. I yes, love like, that. I love it. And it's like, it gives you, when you use all of them in a reading, it just gives it such a new dynamism. Yes. to the way that you can interpret the cards and interpret relationship and interpret energies. And I just, like, I'm so about it. I'm so all about it. I totally it. agree. Yeah. I totally agree. I, I think that that's probably one of my favorite decks um, I've struggled with. And, and I'm, this, is, this is a part of it that I didn't really put in the questions. And so, you know, we can go as deep or as we don't have to go into this if you want, but I have always looked for really inclusive decks. Um, As a white woman, the decks represent me everywhere, but they only represent me. And as a reader, reading for people all over the world, giving someone the experience of the representation in their deck is so important to me. And it's been such a interesting and eye-opening experience to see that lack of representation in the, especially uh, maybe say until decks within the past, maybe, five years or so were pretty much non-existent as far as I can tell. I haven't really come across any inclusive decks that are older than kind of the recent. And I'm curious to know what you think about how 
this generation of tarot readers will move that forward? I think as, especially in this time of COVID, especially in this time of Black Lives Matter, especially in this time of queer inclusiveness, I think that this generation of tarot, I think it's not just tarot. I think we're seeing a revolution in spirituality. Like, you know, I think the whole spiritual milieu is now changing. Because let's, let's just be honest, and I, I feel like I can be very blunt and very honest about this. You know, the spiritual realm for, you know, the last 40 years, at least in the United States, has been controlled by basically, you know, middle-aged white men. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like that has been the landscape of our spiritual communities. Like, you know, even in the yoga community, um, in the Christian community, in all these, in the new age community, like, you know, the face of these communities have all been very white and very male. And I think that shifted the last couple of years where it became very white and then very female, right. like, you know? Right. <laughs> and, and, and so, like, you Which know. Which is like, not always a better thing. I mean, let's just acknowledge the, the sort of major challenges that presents. Right. And it's like, you know, when I started um, doing psychic fairs and I started reading at events, like, you know, I realized, I was like, yo, I'm the only black male here. Like, you know, and usually yeah. it's like, I'm lost in like women. And then it's like, I realized, holy shit, I'm the only black gay male here. Like, you know, <laughs> and, and so like, you know, I think the, the younger community that's coming into that, I've seen how these communities have changed and I see how these events have changed and they're becoming much more inclusive faces. And I think as, um, the millennials, which is my generation, and Gen Z, as they start to move in the forefront, we're going to see a lot of the power structures in these communities slowly crumble. And then we're going to see a new type of transformation in tarot. I think we're going to see more decks of gender inclusivity, of sexuality representation. And I think that we'll probably see the face of tarot really change in ways that we never thought it could change. I could see tarot being something completely different than what we're even used to in the next 20 years and just the reimagining that the new generation is bringing into it. Oh, I just couldn't agree more. And though you just describe, you just put into words what I've been trying to sort of capture throughout, especially these last few months. And, and I'm, for one, I'm just really excited to see where that goes because yes. tarot has changed and moved with the times for so long that um, I'm really excited to see. I think of like, who's the next Pamela Coleman Smith, right? Like who's yes. the next person that's going to create that iconic deck that will be the face of it for however, however long forward. And I just... I'm so excited to see how the the way that things are crumbling is creating that space for what really what should have always been there. Uh, I absolutely agree. It's just, it's, I think as the world is waking up and the world is changing and, you know, I believe that this time that we're in is a time of you know, that divine creativity, like, you know, we're in that time of yes. the tearing down so that new things can grow. And I see so much of the younger generation. I, like, I love the Gen Zers. Sometimes I think that they're really weird, but I love them <laughs> too. Like, you know, because it's just like, they're not afraid to yes. push that bar. They they're not are afraid so to push that it. envelope. Yes. yes. <laughs> and I'm, and the, I'm a mother and I have one that is sort of the tail end of that, right? But she's very right. actively involved in sort of what that means and I, I'm, I'm excited. I think they're going to change the world. And I think those of us that are kind of straddling this late millennial kind of into that Gen Z mode and those that especially kind of wouldn't even classify themselves as millennials, I sort of feel like we're the like support beams for this next set. Like <laughs> I, I we, we thing... might not be able to change it 
but maybe they can is so, sometimes how I'm feeling lately. Yes, there's like, there's a little picture that goes around on Instagram and it's like a big Labrador retriever and the puppy. And it's like, you know, the label of the Labradors, the millennials. And it's like Gen Z's right under them. And it's like, I must protect the babies. Like, yes, you know? yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's so true. And when I, that's what I really love about this podcast and the tarot community on Instagram is that everyone is so helpful and welcoming and every if somebody's learning I don't at least I don't come across sort of the gatekeeper mentality that exists in some other modalities tarot has such a wide range of use that I, I don't think that any one particular set or group of people has been able to sort of wrap around as like this belongs to us you know only these people can come here and try this kind of thing and the the way that you the way that you present tarot and the way that you work with tarot from from that place of that christian mysticism how do you think the next generation being sort of raised in a less overall religious environment in some mm -hmm. ways how do you think that impacts their experience with spirituality well what i'm what i'm seeing is especially with like my gen z friends especially in the tarot community in the magical community what i'm seeing is is a reclaiming what i don't really see i think that the the lack of religiosity of the gen z generation is not the same as the lack of um religiosity in our generation you know i think that the lack of religiosity has created a void for spirituality. And so yes. you have these, these new Gen Zers and these new kids and they're coming in and they're just kind of like absorbing it all. So it's like, you know, they're drawing from tarot, they're drawing from Christianity, they're drawing from the Kabbalah, they're drawing from Judaism. And what I see in these communities is that there's a reclaiming and a redefining of what these symbols mean and what it means to them. And it's a very beautiful and interesting thing. Cause like, you know, things that I think that were so indoctrinated in us, you know, that Gen Z crowd just like doesn't have. Like, you <laughs> no, know? Just zero, zero Fs to give about it. <laughs> yeah, just doesn't care. Like, you know, like things that like I would have been reserved about saying now that I just don't care about, like, you know, but when I was like 16, like, you know, like, it's like, I would have never said, like, you know, Mary's a goddess, like, you know? Right, and, right. And now, and now I have all these young kids who are like, Mary's a goddess. And I'm like, yes, it took me like <laughs> 20 years to get there. <laughs> and so, but it's like, I see this reclaiming of spirituality that's devoid of institution. And I see people connecting to these images and to these messages and, and to these figures. And I see something that's unique. And I think what we're seeing, especially as we enter into the age of Aquarius, um, we're gonna see that lack of institution and really the younger generation is really gonna make, um, is really gonna define these figures and these teachings really to themselves. And I think it's a really beautiful thing it's a very it's very different than the lack of re religiosity that that we understand it and even like our older peers really understand it that is so well said and i th i think that uh, another side of this may also be because um, i'm sort of of the school of thought that there are going to be these just why I, I'm with you on this, the wide shifts in the way that people connect with spirituality. And I'm noticing already, um, and I sort, this was one of those things that, you know, you kind of, you're like, I'm not a fortune teller, but if I was going to tell a fortune, here's, here's what it would be. <laughs> I'm already seeing some people from the sort of, especially the new, we'll say like the new age. So a little bit older, you know, sort of community with this, making the swing back to their more traditional belief systems. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm curious to watch how that sort of impacts some of these institutions is these people who maybe did spend that time away 
you know, using these other esoteric practices, then bringing some of that mysticism back to Christianity that so many um, of these institutions have worked so hard to remove or to make people feel removed from. I, I'm really glad that you, you brought that up. That like brings an instance to me when I was a baby tarot reader. And like, you know, I had like the Doreen Virtue Oracle cards. Oh. And like, you know, and I'm like, and I'm like, you know, Archangel Michael, like all over my Facebook. It was during a time <laughs> when I was actually an eighth grade CCD teacher. Um, and so I was friends with this one teacher um, over the internet on Facebook. And like, we had seen each other, but we had never really talked. And I guess she had saw one of my cards and she's like, can I sit down and have lunch with you? And I was like, and I had like freaked out and I was like, oh my God, this can be one or two things. Like either I'm like going to hell or she's going to like try and convert me away from this. <laughs> and right. so we got together for lunch and she ended up telling me, she's like, yo, I'm a practicing medium. And it's like, get the fuck out of here. That like, is you know? awesome. That <laughs> yeah. is awesome. And so like, you know, me and her developed of this friendship and she ended up being one of my first mentors um one of my first mentors into this world other than another mentor that I had met right before her but um but I mean this is something that's literally happening you know all around us and it's like you know it's just it's very quiet but it definitely yes. is happening and I do see that swing of those who were like in the new age community coming back um from that community into their traditional communities and like they're bringing that with them <laughs> right because you don't come back the same as you left you don't, exactly. you don't come back with the same even ideologies i mean so much of it is impacted even just by simply observing and questioning your faith you change it right yes. so in those moments where you've stepped away from for for whatever reason or or because of whatever influences and you're returning to something, I think, I always like to think of it as a spiral. So yeah. you're circling in from a different perspective. So sort of speaking to that um, Christian connection in this sense, do you define yourself as a Christian mystic? And if so, and, and you've sort of said it here, but I kind of want to address it for anyone listening that um, maybe hasn't been made aware of Christian mysticism, what that might look like for them, for those who are interested in these practices that their traditional institutions wouldn't really support. Ah, so does anybody really label themselves a Christian mystic? That's always like <laughs> the hard thing, like, you know, because um, it's usually something that's very much conferred. And even if you look at the mystics of Christian history, like, you know, like the Padre Pios, Teresa of Avila, John of the Cross, um, Hildegard of Bingen. Like, you know, I don't think they thought of themselves as mystics. Like, you know, um, these people who went on and, you know, had these beautiful insights and these beautiful experiences of God. Like, you know, they didn't take that title onto themselves. Um, I think the first, the first thing that we have to get in line is that, you know, a mystic is anybody who has an experience of God, like, you know, or experience of the divine, like, you know, however you see that, like, you know, that's what mysticism is. Now, how far you go deep with that and how far you connect with that divine connection, that's when things get um, really cool. But I think, <laughs> but like, you know, but I think like for myself, like, like people will say like, oh, my, Michael's such a mystic. And I know even in my like tagline on Instagram, it says saintly tarot mystic. Um, I don't really think I consider myself a mystic. <laughs> like, you know, it's like, you know, I put my pants on every day and it's just like, I do the best I can. But I, I can say that from, from the basis of my childhood that I've always had a very intimate experience of God, of the divine, of spirituality. Um, I wasn't raised Catholic. I was actually raised Southern Baptist. And I was always kind of like experimenting with like, you know, things that were like really spiritual, whether it be like, you know, Shinto shrines or like um, spirit animals and like, you know, like building little like altars to spirits and stuff like that. That was my experience of life. And so what I, was that like in a Southern Baptist home? Well, see, so my family is one of those families where it's like, you know, we went to church on Sunday 
but like it just didn't influence like the rest of our lives. Okay. <laughs> it was like it's like you had to get to church on some on Sunday, but like other than that, like you know, we weren't like people who like like you know, we did like the extracurricular activities, like you know, afterwards. Like we weren't that family, like you know. Right. <laughs> it's like it's like we showed up on Sunday and that was kind of it, except for like maybe like here and there. Um now when I in when I um was introduced to Catholicism when I was about in sixth grade, so I had to be about twelve or thirteen. I had this very intense experience um, with the Virgin Mary, and that just kind of um, ignited my love. And so, and this, then I started having these very unique experiences um, with the saints and with other figures within the Catholic pantheon, if you want to call it the pantheon. Um, and that's really always been the basis of. Catholic mysticism for me um, is really kind of connecting with these different spirits, these different entities, whether it be the saints, whether it be the angels, whether it be the Virgin Mary. I have this great intimate love for Jesus, like, you know, um, and I think that that's where the mysticism has, has always been for me. It's always been connecting with these different entities, it's been connecting with the saints, it's been connecting um, in love with the divine and then receiving that message. And it's all about being open. Like, you know, it's all about being open to that experience and allowing that experience through you. And it's like, you know, sometimes it's like, you know, everybody's like, has, throughout my life, people have told me, Michael, you're so gifted. Michael, you're so gifted. And it's like, I don't even look at it as like me being gifted. Like I've been given something that isn't available to everybody. It's just that I've always been very receptive to it. And I think the problem with people in institutional Christianity, whether it be Catholicism, whether it be Protestantism, is that people are taught to be afraid to be like open to it. Like, you know, when we look at figures like Teresa of Avila or John of the Cross or Hildegard of Bingen or Padre Pio, um, and like people within the hierarchy are, are very ready to say as well, well, they were chosen. And it's really that they weren't chosen so much it's just that they were open to receive that kind of that stream of divine grace that was available to them. I think we're all chosen. It doesn't matter if you're Christian. It doesn't matter if you're not. It doesn't matter if you're pagan. I think that we all have that gift of be allowing ourselves to be open to having that divine grace flow through us. That, and that divine grace is sort of the the common factor in every at least every belief system i've come across there's yes. if if we find if we sort of strip away all the rest of it for the most part everything comes back to the same basic ideas and that divine connection in tarot i think is sometimes uh, and i know for me when i first started i wanted to stay very sort of um, straightforward and air energy and thought and study and right. I have the information. So it's not about uh, a divine connection and it just didn't really work like that. Cause obviously it doesn't really work like that, but for the new tarot reader, for the person who is maybe working through some of that stuff around divine connection that really, you know, kind of is from all these other places and not from within us, what would you invite them to consider about tarot in a, how do you use it or how could they use it to explore that divinity more? I think the first step is really allowing that openness. Like we've talked about before, I think it's really first committing to just being open to what comes. Like, you know, because I think you talk about that, that very air energy, and I think we all start out that way a little bit, where it's like we're like hitting the books. Yeah. Like, you know, it's very <laughs> much about the 50 million um, possible interpretations that we don't use. None of us right, ever right. use them. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> but we're all like, I need these 50 million interpretations. And like, you know, and we basically, we teach it like a college class. And it's like, you know, I think what's important is really to like get the cards in front of you, really feel them, 
and see how the cards talk to you. Like, you know, I think it's very important to just kind of like meditate with the cards to um, really look at the symbolism, really look at the colors and really look at how they hit you. You know, what part of your being, what part of your soul, what part of your inner knowing does the card bring out in you? And I think that's important because it's like, you know, that's the spiritual nature first of the human being that it's touching, but it's also touching that divine essence that resides in each and every human being. Like, you know, and it's like in the way that it hits you is going to be unique to you, but you have to be open to that first before we can even get to that point. So my advice is, it's just like, you know, come with an open mind. Don't be overly studious about it. Like, you know, the books and stuff are good. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, you know, and it'll help you along, but don't let that be the the above all end all of like your tarot journey. Be open, see how they hit you, see how the cards talk to you. What story do the cards tell you? The story, yes. What is the mythology behind the card? You know, the beautiful thing about tarot is that it's so multi-layered. Like, you know, there's so many different layers of connection that you can get from one card or something that you didn't notice about a card or a way that you feel about a card in a different scenario. And I think that that's, so being open to all those possibilities is something that has been very helpful to me and I think can be very helpful to everybody else. I totally agree. And that openness, for those of you out there who are really just learning and getting into it, that openness is, um, it also helps with the self-doubt. So if you're, if you're laying out cards and you get the message, but you go to the book and the book says something different, I think right there, some people, they kind of hit a wall and they sort mm-hmm. of, I, I don't know if this is right, I've had people reach out and, you know, can you take a look at this reading or what would you interpret this as? And oftentimes I'm inviting them to first tell me, what did you see, right? What did, what came up for you and how did that, how did that resonate with you? And, and I especially love to invite people to do that with cards that they react negatively towards Mm -hmm. or that they have, let's not say negative, let's say that they have a strong activation around, right? So as tarot readers, we know that there's sort of the top five sort of dun 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 cards, right? right? And when, and when somebody's like, "Oh, I'm scared of tarot," and you're just holding your deck, like, "Please don't do it! Like, don't right. bring those scary cards, not today." But for me, um, and I know for a lot of people who use tarot as a healing tool or as a way to really dig into that subconscious part of self those cards can often represent the biggest transformation. So for the people out there who are, who are learning and maybe still afraid of a card like the death card or the tower card, what would you say to them for reading it, especially if they're reading for other people in a way that is helpful versus just sort of um, panicked or or shut down. I, I can't even read this anymore. How would how would you say that they kind of navigate those more challenging cards? I, I think it's important for us to go first into our own lives, you know. And I think it's important to see what the card represents. And you know, I think it's important to see in our lives when we've had trial or tribulation or things being you know rough. You know, I think we need to see the growth that has come out of it for ourselves first and then allow that growth to really spur us for further. Because it's, let's just be honest, life is not a cakewalk. Like, you know, like <laughs> life is, is, is rough. Like, you know, and how do I want to say this? It's like life being as difficult as it is usually when we're pushed between that rock and a hard place, you know, when, when coal is put under a lot of pressure, pressure, that's when we have the diamond. And I think if we look back at our lives at, out of the, the, the tough situations that we've come out of, we'll see that, you know, we've really grown and we've really manifested and transformed during those times in our lives. 
you know, let's take the tower card, for example, because that seems to be the one that triggers a lot of people is the tower. You and know, I mean, really just looking at it, right, it's, it's probably one of the most strikingly just actively, oh, right, like yeah. when he's in different decks, the way they do it sometimes, I'm just like, whoa, that, <laughs> come on. <laughs> right. But I think it's like the tower, because the tower can be so much more than just kind of like things falling down. Like, I think we have to have, look at the times in our lives that like our belief systems have been challenged. Like, you know, when something that we thought was true before, you know, came tumbling down, but it gave us a different perspective. Like, right. you know, because that this thing happened, now I have this wisdom that has transformed my whole entire life. So it's like, you know, we have to connect the cards to our own experience of life and transformation. Because I think if we, if they're too abstract, you know, if we're, if we're looking at them too much as abstractions and too much as just kind of like thoughts and concepts, then they lose their real je ne sais quoi and then we lose the message. And then we just kind of shut down because it's like, oh, this looks really bad. But when we connect the cards to like, you know, our own story of transformation, our own personal mythologies of our lives. And we see how these times in our lives of whether it be the death card, you know, when it could be like a relationship coming to an end, you know, but you realize a couple of weeks later after that relationship ended that that relationship was really toxic. Like, you know, and it may reveal in yourself some patterns that you needed to work on to be better so that you know that you know those red flags and you knew those patterns when you got into the next relationship whenever that was like you know those things ending but we have to see them as a part of our own personal personal mythologies and we have to see where they've even helped us in our own growth that's so that's so true and i think just like just like in life, tarot does this funny thing where if you don't get the lesson, it just keeps bringing you the same oh, shit, yeah. right? So yeah. like if you, if there's a card you're afraid of, or if there's a card that you guys out there are trying to avoid, just stop because that thing is never going to leave you alone. So, and, and, and I think it's important to even just say, why is this triggering me so much? Yes. Yep. Like, you, you know, we, we, we have to challenge ourselves and look ourselves in the mirror of why does this message challenge us so much and why do i shut down whenever it comes like you know and i think for anybody out there who's really struggling with that i really challenge you to really sit with that and really wrestle with that and really unpack that because i think that that's such a benefit for your personal growth your personal journey and for your personal story for you to be able to unpack that like, you know, when it comes up, when that Tower of Death card or the Devil comes up, even though the Devil can be a fun card, but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> oh, um, yes, we th we got to do second episode, maybe just on only that card. <laughs> yes, I, I let me tell you, the Devil card is like one of my favorite cards. It really is. Same. It's just so Same. much there, but that's another story for another day. Um, <laughs> um, but, um, you know, why does this card trigger you so much? And I think that we really need to wrestle it of why you just want to shuffle, shut, shut it back into the de deck and yeah. really unpack that for yourself. So I really challenge our listeners today to really, um, to really sit with that of things that really trigger them when it comes to tarot and really kind of meditate on it. Like, you know, put it on, put it on a dresser. Don't ignore it. Like, you know, put it in your mirror in the morning. Like, you know, so that you're confronted with it and Dig that you deep. can really unpack that card and unpack that message. And it's only for your benefit in the end. Like, it's you know, so I really so want to stress that too, whatever tarot, because people think that tarot is kind of like this doom and gloom thing. And it's going to tell me like, oh my God, like, you know, this is ending and everything. No, everything in tarot <laughs> is basically for your benefit. Yes. Like, you know, it's for your growth and it's for your benefit. So if it keeps coming up, it's for you, boo. It's, yeah, it's, it's, you, it's, you can't it's, run it. Yeah. And this yeah, is important and, too. I think if you guys listening, if you, if friends, sorry, let's, if you friends listening are getting readings from people who are not challenging you or who are giving you these very, um, 
everything's going to be wonderful or alternately it's all going to be terrible and here's some ways that you can like purchase more things to you know make it easier or better just really be careful about the the tarot readers out there who aren't doing what michael really just walked us through which is digging deeper into why a particular card would be activating. So if you listeners are having trouble with it, just bookmark this part and go back to what it means to really dive deep into a card. So with that, if you're open to it, um, we'd love to have kind of your thoughts on what spreads you use for readings. And if you're really open to it, if you want to lay out a few cards for the listeners, kind of just for the general guidance of how we all get through, you know, this sort of surreal experience that we're navigating in this current year. So that that would be wonderful. So let's let's talk about spreads. So that's another thing. Don't confuse yourself about if there's a spread that you really like and it works for you, stick with it. Yes. Like you know, I think like you know, we get into tarot because I remember when I first got into tarot, somebody was telling me, well, you have to have like all these different spreads for all these different situations and. Like, you know, that's a lot to, it's a lot to fucking remember. Yeah, like, seriously, you know, and that's one way, but n- that's not the only way. <laughs> it's not the only way. So I'll be really honest with the listeners. Like, you know, like, I, I use the Celtic cross for, like, everything. All my professional readings start out with the with the Celtic cr- cross, and I expand on the Celtic cross. Um, I think it's the most easiest. I think it's versatile. It works for every situation. Um... I think it's just, it's just, it's just, it's just the je ne sais quoi of like tarot spreads of getting it done. Yes. Like, you know, um, I just don't believe in like complicating things more than what they have to be complicated. Um, <laughs> the other spread that I use a lot is um, I use the simple cross pattern, which is just a truncated um, Celtic cross spread a lot and then I use the mind body um heart the mind mind heart body spread which is a spread that a friend taught me and I use for like relationship readings and stuff like that but generally the Celtic cross is like my go-to um and I don't and I don't really deviate from that because it's just like we don't got time for all this extra that right and a lot of times I think especially for the new user if you put too much of that on then you're too worried about too many things. Learn, learn one spread, perfect it, not even perfect it, get so comfortable with it that no matter the situation, you can pull that out and know that it's almost like a, it gives the reading a container. It yeah. gives the reading a space to move in because sometimes some of these energies you're picking up, some of the people who are coming to you for readings, especially when they might not be using tarot the way that, Um, a tarot reader uses it you need that container you need that container to hold it otherwise the message I mean it's like that moment when you're shuffling a deck and the cards just jump the all you know the whole deck just jumps out of your hand or a good portion of it and you're just like "Ah, maybe I shouldn't read for this person like (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's something else I really want to talk about while we're here like you know like I think reading for people trust your gut like, you know, like Beyonce says, if yes. it don't feel right, it ain't right. Yes. Like, you know, and it's like, you know, trust that gut feeling because like you're not supposed to read for everybody. I think um, in kind of the new Tarot Malou, which is kind of, it's kind of a carryover from the new age community of just kind of like, you know, everything's love and light. Everything's great. Some people just bring energy that you just shouldn't like, you yeah. know. And don't be afraid, you know, to say, you know, I can't read for you. I can suggest somebody else to read for you, but just for me, no. I'm not the reader <laughs> like, you for know. you. Yep. Yes. And so, like, you know, not you're not meant to read for everybody. Not everybody's meant to seek you out. And that's okay. Like, yep. you know, but just be aware of that gut instinct. <laughs> that's so, I'm so glad that you mentioned that. And especially with the availability of so many you can inundate yourself with the readings right you can watch them on youtube you can get them on patreon you can purchase them and have somebody give you a specific one i mean you can do so much with readings 
but if you keep kind of forcing that issue with people that you don't necessarily resonate with because either they're popular or a friend recommended right. them or it's your family or whatever, you're just not getting the experience that the cards really want to give you, which is that deep dive. Exactly. Sometimes it's better, I, I like, um, sometimes it's better to kind of go to somebody who's like unknown. Yes. Um, and I think, and I think, I think with the inundation of the tarot community, because let's just be honest, like everybody's reading tarot right now. Yep. Um, like, you know, it can be very hard to do that in the, the, um, the impetus um, for us is to like, you know, to pick somebody that we saw on YouTube or somebody who's very popular and you know, like that person might not be for you. Like, you know, or and sometimes, and I'll even just say this and throw it out there, you know, a lot of these people on social media are just like you said, are giving readings that are just too good to be true. Yes. Like, you know, they're telling you things are going to be a-okay, you're going to win the lottery, you're going to get Pamela Anderson to be your girlfriend. Yep. Like, you know, like all that craziness. Like, you know. And, um, and like, I love, I love the enterprising of tarot. Um, I definitely think that you should. I'm currently on a quest to give a thousand free readings. So I, in particular, do not charge for readings. Mm -hmm. But I believe that if you are going to people for readings, you better be showing up for that energy exchange. Mm -hmm. But I just really want to, and I won't go too far down this, and this is no judgment on anybody out there, but really pay attention. Because if that same person that promised you that you could quit your job, you know, for a hundred, with a hundred K in six months, they promised you that shit like two years ago. And now mm -hmm. they're reading tarot, like make sure that they're really doing it. Like yeah. <laughs> there's, there's such a, it, it's that vulnerability that there's so many people out there that are seeking something. I experience this as a reader, this, uh, I don't, I hope that this is taken by our listeners with the love that it is intended, but this sort of wounded seeker, this mm -hmm. person who is looking for a spiritual guidance to fix them or to fill some hole in them. And those, those sort of people can really just seek out those sort of wounded seekers and take advantage of them. So as, as we're transitioning into this, these huge spiritual shifts, I'm so glad that we're having the opportunity to kind of talk about that to people who might be learning right now so that they can get that in their awareness. Cause I, I, it breaks my heart when people find out about that because, you know, they find out on the back end and I hear these stories a hundred thousand dollars later, you know, the, and yes. You're like, wait, what? No, what? you, <laughs> how did you spend that much on tarot readings? That is not right. <laughs> no, that's not how that's supposed to be. That's not how it's supposed to work. Not at all. So let's talk about that real quick. The, for me personally, I won't read for someone for the same question or issue more than once in a moon cycle. I just, I don't think, I think you got to give some things, some space. And with a, for the very rare exception, I don't generally give kind of crisis readings. You know, I don't give those sort of, oh my God, I need to know what to do in the immediate, because I don't use tarot that way. And so I right. don't feel comfortable providing that as a service. So is there anything that you do or don't do or is there anything that you suggest that people keep an eye out for if their readers you know if they want to make sure that their readers are sort of on the up and up so i i personally um with the very much like you with people like you know the same question like you know i tell them like listen you got to give it like a month or two like you know don't come back to me <laughs> with this question next week like, you know, and I've had to be, like, very firm with people about that. Um, like, you know, like, if the same questions and the same worries, like, over and over again in, like, a certain, um, a certain span of time. And I tell people, you know, you, you know, the minute that you get off this table, the energy changes. Like, you yes. know, that, yes. that is, like, this is your decisions with the information that I, have, uh, that I have armed you with. Like, what you make, like, you have to go make something with it. Like, you yes. know, like, you can't just sit here and just expect me to, like, give you all these answers and everything like that, because it doesn't work that way. This is a guidance tool. This is a, a discernment tool. 
like you oh, know discernment like, tool yes yes this is about discernment like you know and if you like you know if you need me to come back every week to like validate something for you like there's bigger problems there <laughs> than like what I can help you with. Like, right, you know? it's like that meme, right? The therapy tarot one, right? You're yes. like, no, no, you need to go, like, you need to go to the therapy side of that. <laughs> exactly, you need to go to the therapy side of it. Like, you know, but like, I, I'm very stern about, about like, you know, we can't do the same question, like, you know, week after week. And I always tell people like, you know, if somebody's willing to take your money, week after week for that like you need to like start questioning that yes. like you know like you really need to start questioning why this person is like taking my money and like just keeps telling me stuff and like you know and trying to give me like exact answers and telling me what to do that's the other thing when somebody's giving you an exact answer to your problem and basically mm -hmm. telling you what to do becomes problematic also yes. like you know yep. um again like the way i see it is that this is a discernment tool i'm supposed to the message is the message like you know and you're supposed to take and um do with that as you see fit isn't the right word but as you you what's around looking for um as you see the best way to go about it yeah. like you know and like, you know, of course I, I give advice during my readings, a lot of it's spiritual advice. Like, you know, um, my favorite is in, like I have one client who keeps coming to me and in the client's reading, it comes up that he needs a spiritual practice and he will do everything not to start that spiritual practice. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> um, and it's just like, and it's, it's like mind blowing to me, but like, you know, again, that's a, about discernment and the message is the message. So like, you know, it's the same thing with people who jump from tarot reader to tarot reader. The other thing um, people need to look out for if it sounds too good to be true, which we've already really touched on a multiple of times during this conversation tonight, is that like, you know, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is too good to be true. Like, yeah. you know, and I think that people take advantage again, because we've talked about like, you know, that wounded spiritual seeker and people prey on that woundedness, like, yeah. you know, and that people, especially in these times now, like, you know, people are looking for things to be all right. Like, you know, I've had to cut off my own mother for those readings. Like, you yeah. know, <laughs> <laughs> so, like, you know, like, but it's like, you need to turn within, Ma. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm just like, it's like, Mom, that's like, <laughs> like, um, and it's like, you know, but again, because people do, people take advantage because they know people are hurting and people are looking for guidance. But for you, dear listeners, like, you know, I want you to take up that responsibility for that guidance. Don't hand over your own power to another reader. Like, you know, the, the reader is all we are is the conduit. Like, you know, at the end of the day, all we are is the conduit for the message. Mm -hmm. You have to have, be empowered enough to take that message and make your own changes and make those decisions. That's so Don't true. Don't empower a reader to do that for you. And, and I'll just add to this, and then I heard you lay some cards, so we'll get into them so I don't take up your whole night. Although I could. I could talk to you forever. But for the... For the um, seekers out there that are here in this in this space and with this to learn really um, just really listen to yourself I really want to drive that point home as Michael's getting ready to offer us up a reading is listen to the messages but also um, take them with you and work them around and, and move them in your head in such a way that it is a really deep introspection if you want to get the most out of it it, re it really is worth it i can't i can't support those statements enough all right so are we ready to read some cards let's let's hear what the cards have for us tonight especially given like the mood of the conversation i'm excited to see <laughs> see kind of what they're picking up on so to give a little background, as we talked in the beginning of our conversation tonight, I'm using the raw, um, the Tower of the Saints by Robert in place. So I'll give a little background of the card and the imagery for those who might not be familiar 
Um, and so the first card that we have is the Five of Staffs. And the Five of Staffs in this deck is the Holy Stigmata. And the Stigmata is the mystical wounds of Christ that have appeared on some of the, the mystics um, throughout the centuries. And so when we look at the Five of Staffs, what I look and I see with the Five of Staffs is exactly what we've been talking about is the wounded healer. And I feel that for us in this time, especially as we're in COVID, um, especially as we're dealing with wildfires in California, and we're dealing with all this despair, all this pain, all this hurt, that this is really a time of breaking forward for us. Like, you know, we are being wounded, we are being pierced right now in this time in our history for the healing of the world. Like, you know, it's time for us, what this is, is kind of like breaking us open. It's breaking us open from our old patterns, our old ways of thinking, our old ways of life, our old ways of being, so that we can be the healing that this world needs. And sometimes to be that healing that the world needs right now, we have to be broken open. We have to be pierced. Like, you know, we have to allow that blood to flow from ourselves into the world. So don't be afraid of this woundedness right now. This woundedness right now is to open us up for a time of healing in this world. And when that time of healing comes, it's gonna be in um, a magnitude. It's gonna be like a bomb <laughs> going off. Like, you know, when that healing flows out into the world, but you know, really take this time, really feel the grief of this time and really allow that to be let out. Because the next card I have is St. Mary the Moon. And this is the traditional image of the Virgin Mary and she's standing on the moon. Her hands are outstretched and there's lights coming out of her hand and she's crowned by stars. And so when I look at the card of St. Mary as the moon, this is also a time of the divine feminine. It's a time of femininity. It's a time of us really reaching into that place of the feminine intuition that's in all of us. It doesn't matter how your gender expressed, how you see your gender expression, how you see yourself. We all have that piece of the divine feminine within us. And as we're being pierced open, as we're being letting out, there's going to be this source of intuition that's going to come into our lives. In the beginning of this conversation, we talked about being open to that divine message. And what St. Mary as the moon is telling us from the five of staffs is that as we're becoming the wounded healer, we're going to receive those messages into our intellect, into our intuition, and we just have to be open to them. And what else do we have to do? We have to be able to spread them out into the world, not to be afraid of our own voice, not to be afraid of our mission that we're being given. So this is also a time for us to connect with that interior femininity that is within us, the divine feminine within and without and active in the world as we are entering into this time of creativity. Next, we have St. Andrew, the King of Cups. And St. Andrew being one of the apostles of Jesus, he's here, he's standing with the fish um, in his basket that he caught because he was a fisherman. He's standing in front of the cross that he was crucified on, and it's an X. But what's most important about this card is that the divine is um, pouring an ointment on his head from the cup, because he's mm. the king of cups in this deck. And what this is, is don't miss out on your blessing during this time. Even though we're being, you know, there's all this grief, there's all this piercing open, there's all this destruction of the old structures, so that we can become the wounded healers to see that intuition, to enter the creativity of the divine feminine. You know, we have to receive our blessings in this time. There's so much that we have to be thankful for at the same time. So it's like, you know, don't ignore those blessings and those messages that are coming to you and really use them. And finally, at the end of this reading, we have St. Helena as the Empress and St. Helena is the mother of Constantine. And I, I love Helena because Helena is just a bad bitch. And so like, you know, we're entering into this time of new birth. And I think with the Empress, it's really about really allowing ourselves to enter into that time of the earth mother, of the divine mother. And all of us are in this time, as we said with St. Mary at the Moon, of entering into that time of femininity and as we're receiving those blessings, as we're becoming wounded healers for the world, 
we're going to birth a divine child that's going to be such a blessing for humanity only if we're open to it, only if we allow it to flow through us. And that's what I have for us tonight. Oh, thank you for that. That oh, just beautiful. I'm, I'm not even going to add any thoughts, any observations, just beautiful. Thank you, Michael, so much for joining us. I really hope we can have you back on the show. Um, I think that there's so much that we can um, explore. And I think that for a lot of readers out there, especially readers who maybe are still very involved um, with their relationship with Christianity and with um, the sort of belief system that sometimes t isn't represented in tarot, I think that I'd love to um, just show more of that and let our listeners be even more uh, just enlightened by all of your amazing information. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited for the next time that you'll invite, you, invite me back. This has been a blessing to me, and I'm so grateful for the work that you do and for inviting me to be a part of that. I'm so grateful. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So I'll call you tomorrow. No. <laughs> <laughs> but I, really, I will reach out, and I, I just I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so Have much for having night. me. Have a great night. Bye. Bye-bye.